Hey, ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for listening to the God, Guns, and Family podcast. If you have any questions that you would like us to address or anything, reach out to us at God, Guns, and Family podcast at gmail.com or on our Instagram page at God, Guns, and Family podcast. Today's podcast, we're talking about the armor of God. Hope you guys enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Check it later. Recording, recording in progress. In progress. <laughs> what exciting. up? What up? Thank you. What's up, Internet Land? Hey, uh, Barry, you're doing? <clears throat> hey, everyone. Thank you for listening again. Yeah. Sorry, I had a burp. Um, thank you for oh, listening sorry. to the God Guns and Family <laughs> podcast again. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Um, we yes. appreciate it. All sixteen of you. Hey, better than zero, and it's on its way to two million, so it's fine to bazillion um so we um last week i kind of asked it in the middle of the recording or towards the end actually about what questions um you guys wanted us to talk about yep and someone had asked a few questions so we have a couple topics for the next few weeks actually a few topics for the next few weeks and today the question do you have the question up I can stand by. Hold on, I got it. It was it's a race. It's a race. You're probably gonna win. Oh. It says, How do you use the armor of God in today's society? When you said it was Ephesians six. Ephesians six, and that is a Ephesians six ten through at least twenty one. But we'll we'll just I'll read it real quick. Oh, now I got a burp, bro. It's transmissible. Mm, excuse me. All right. So Ephesians six, starting verse ten. I'm reading out of the most inspired non uh, NASB 2020 version, which you know, whatever. So it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and His strength in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the for- the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist the, the, the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having belted your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having strapped on your feet the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all taking up the shield of faith by which you will be able to distinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then it goes on and says, with every prayer and request, pray at all times in the spirit. And in this and in this view, be alert with all uh, perseverance at every request for all the saints and pray in my behalf that that uh, that speech may be given now to me in the opening of my mouth and that be known by the boldness of the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Basically, Paul is saying, hey, 
these are the things that you need to do to put on. And, you know, obviously the military equipment of the time of the apostle Paul looks a little bit different than the military equipment than we can relate to today. Right. Um, but the whole armor of God, basically Paul gives like a, a, a rundown of how to put on the armor of God. Right. So, um, I work with, you know, Shane and Dunnigan with survivors of war and he, the way he explained and has, says a prayer of how to put on the armor of God every day in the morning, he sends Mm -hmm. it out in a group chat, a group text. And essentially he starts with the helmet of salvation. And the way he explains the helmet of salvation is it's like putting on um, like the helmet of Magneto, right? You put it on and you can't mess with the brain waves. You put on the helmet of salvation and, and the ancillary influences of your thoughts are now, are now confined on thinking of what is true, what is noble, what is right, which is godly thinking. So putting on the helmet of salvation, which guards the mind, because, you know, the enemy's not dumb. Any one person that would want to overrun a supercomputer that can change the world is in, in, you know, infiltrate the human mind, the thinking, what precedes every action is the thought, right? So the first thing he puts on is the helmet of salvation, and then it's the breastplate of righteousness. So not only is you need like, um, you need to place on, cause it says in our, of ourselves, we're like our, even our, our greatest attributes are as filthy rags, right? Um, it says aside from Christ where we, we have nothing to offer. So it's his righteousness. We put on his righteousness over our heart which then solidifies him as the Lord of our life, the King of our heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, right? We place Jesus in the rightful place. Lord, I surrender my life, my will, my care over to you. Have your way in me. And then you, I put on a breastplate of righteousness, which then now that's solidified. I have insulated my heart against any having any other thing on the throne of my life other than Jesus. So I put Jesus on it in the morning and that's it. I place it. Uh, I place on the belt, the, the, uh, blessed breastplate of righteousness. And then it's saying having belted like the, the belt of truth, our truthfulness and his truthfulness is the whole thing and how it's all wrapped together. So Paul's illustrating with Roman military equipment, right? Like what's, what's pretty interesting is how the Roman army their military equipment um, functions like individually and also in their legion and in their brigade, right? So when you put on the helmet of salvation, your head's protected from spears, from arrows and things. When you put on a breastplate, it guards the, the, the vital organs, like the all your thoracic cavities covered if you put on the shield, the breastplate of righteousness. Mm-hmm. And then you put on the belt of truth, which then holds your sword. And then you take up the the shield of faith and these things you can wield in combat individually or as standing in formation, your shield goes from your shoulder to your knee and chest and it hangs over and the, the shield to the dude on your right covers the part that is not covered by yours. So they interlock and why Paul was using this imagery was illustrating in a tangible way, the spiritual principles of the same 
Yeah, though we go to war to take over a country or a city, we're constantly every day in a war, a spiritual war against the principalities, which is the enemies of darkness, right? Everything in the world wants to extinguish the light. And it's talking about every day taking up this full armor of God. So the belt of truth, this this the truths that are in the Bible are what holds this all thing together. You can't just say, hey, I put on my helmet of salvation, but not back it up with the truth of the of the Bible. You can't say, hey, I, I'm putting on the breastplate of righteousness. So it's not the foundation of the word, right? So which is kind of cool. So his his truth and my truthfulness is what holds the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness together. And then it talks about putting on the Shannon says the to to suit up and boot up, putting on the shoes. And the shoes are, it says, the preparation of the gospel of peace, right? It's talking about the the Bible, his word is the foundation in which we stand on. So mm. the belt of truth and the, the foundation are similar, but the word of God is our foundation. And having, you know, in Second Timothy, it says to study yourself. Study yourself, study to show yourself approved, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And in that studying of the word is how you're applying spirit the spiritual the, the spiritual principles of of Jesus to your life is putting them underneath your feet. It's a spiritual word, the the person of Jesus being your foundation, which is the word of God. And then it says to take up the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. So the shield of faith deflects, like it, it, your faith is what insulates you from the, the fiery darts that come from the enemy. So the those random thoughts that are like, hey, look at this girl, or um, hey, you're unworthy, or hey, you're a failure, or hey, you're not enough, or hey, you need this. Anything that tries to exalt itself above Jesus, your shield of faith can extinguish and deflect those. But then you use the word of God as your sword. So even as Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, right? Jesus didn't have a lofty argument for the temptation of the enemy, right? When when Jesus was led into the wilderness, right after his 40 days of fasting, right? Mm-hmm. He's baptized in the, in the river. This whole, the spirit comes on him in the form of a dove. And then immediately the next thing is he's led into the wilderness by the spirit. Right. And how did Jesus defend the temptation of the enemy? He says, it is written. It is written. It is written. He uses scripture, which it says the use the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It says in, in I think it's Hebrews. The, the the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joint and marrow. Taking all these things c- collectively, and it's like, just like the Romans, if one dude didn't have his helmet on, but tried to put on the rest of the armor, would it be functional? If a dude took the shield, but didn't put on the breastplate, would it be functional? That You have to do all of these things putting on these every single day in order that you're prepared to even step out of your house. You, we don't know what's coming down, down the way. We don't know what is, what temptations lie around the corner, what situation we find ourselves in this interaction between this person and that person, like all of these things that can adversely affect us in our mind, in our heart, in our spirit, 
we need to be prepared for. So Paul's talking about, you know, therefore put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. It's aside from those things, you're not going to be able to will yourself, um, to will yourself into doing right or doing good. You're not going to be like, I'm just going to choose today not to look at pornography. Right. Um, I'm just not, I'm just not going to, I'm going to will myself today to not act lustfully um, or, or, or not graciously in an interaction that dishonors my wife. Right. So like for me personally, it's like, I just was waking up and going to work every day, just kind of same old routine before I, you know, just leave the house, come home, like not really taking the moment in the morning to center myself and say, Jesus have this. I put on my helmet of salvation, my breastplate of righteousness, my belt of truth, my sword, my, my, uh, the, the sandals of the gospel of peace and stand ready with my shield of faith and my sword of the spirit. Um, and slowly over time, I am decreased. I, you know, just the decreased awareness of the spiritual war that was going on. I found myself in a situation where I was acting flirtatiously and dishonoring uh, and, and holding a conversation that was dishonoring to my wife. And um, really then at that point starts the self-condemnation, the condemnation from the outside, from the enemy. Right. And it's yeah. all because I let the little foxes inside my head unchecked because I wasn't putting on the helmet of salvation. I wasn't guarding my heart from lust, from temptation, from anger, from unforgiveness, from bitterness, all these things. I wasn't guarding my heart. And I sure as heck wasn't, you know, standing on the foundation of scripture. I was doing what felt right to me in that moment. Right. So these little things. So, I mean, we've talked about it numerous times over, over the course of the podcast, but uh, degrees of degrees of deviation equal miles of separation drawn all the way out. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you in long distance shooting, you breathe wrong and you're just a fraction of a hair off your, your, your crosshairs just drop just a, just a touch that equates to an entirely missed target. You're out elk hunting and you don't steady yourself and you at your heart rate, you don't decrease your heart rate. You don't breathe right. And you just had to squeeze off a shot. You're going to miss and it's going to go over the top or it's going to go underneath degrees of deviation. That's what the enemy wants, dude, is just one degree of deviation today left unchecked is in, is an entire separation down the road, which is why, the apostle Paul says to every day, put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist the enemy. That's it. Not maybe, or, you know, possibly be able to resist. The only way that we will as men and women be successfully able to successfully withstand and, and resist the temptation of the enemy in this, this culture, in this world is basing every thought on the word of God is every interaction based on the word convicted by the word. Is it led by the spirit? Is there anything in my heart that I'm, that's an idol that I'm, that I'm, that I'm currently idolatry, there's idolatry in my heart. Is there, which could be your wife, your children could be your idol, your career could be your idol. Your, these things that seem good from the outside that no one's going to be like, Oh, well, Mike, I think your, your priorities are out of whack. 
No, they're going to slap you on the back and be like, man, you're providing for your family incredibly, dude. Good job. But your job's taking you away from family dinner or your, right. your, your pursuit of career is taking you away from being a dad or being a husband. Or, hey, yeah, it looks like, yo, you're posting all these cool things on, on Instagram and Facebook about your, your kids. They're going to slap you on the back and say, hey, good job being a good parent. They don't know that your, your idol is your children. It all comes down to what's the word of God say, period. What's the word say? And how does my heart align? How does my spirit align with the word? And so what Paul's saying here is putting on the helmet of salvation. Because aside from a sanctified brain, you're going to be thinking of all sorts of crazy stuff. Like for me, I default to being quick to be angry, mm. <laughs> slow to, you know, everything opposite. You know, it's a slow to speak, slow. To, I'm off. I'm quick to speak. I'm quick to get angry. I'm quick to act like an a-hole. If you brought my wife on the other side of this, the first question would be, hey, have you prayed today? And do you need a Snickers? Because you're acting like Danny DeVito. Okay. Like, yeah. it's just like. I'm out of, when I'm out of sync with the word, the first people to know it is my family. If I didn't put on the full armor of God and it's been a day, it's been two days and I haven't prayed in three days and four days. The first person to know is my wife. I'm not gracious. I'm, I'm quick tempered. I can be harsh with my mouth. I can, you know, be harsh with my children. All these things happen as a direct result of allowing this brain to go unchecked and this heart left un, 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 uh, unrestrained and unsubmitted uh, to the Holy Spirit. Because in and of ourself, we want to rule everything ourselves, especially as men. We want to be the alpha in everything. We want our way in a no way and we don't want to be submitted to anything. So if we're not constantly submitting ourselves to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and submitting our brain to this to the salvation that Jesus has, says he has, you've been restored. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's Romans, right? Hebrews. It's talking running with the race, the endurance, the race that's set before. You have to transform this thing. It doesn't happen overnight. I wish it would. I wish I could just wake up and get my coffee and sip it down. And man, that coffee just sanctified my brain. It's an ongoing forever long resetting and retraining of the brain to think submitted to the spirit. And that's what Paul's saying here is a human, a human mind left unsubmitted to the Holy spirit is going to breed contentment. It's going to breed pride. It's going to breed anger. It's going to bring lust. It's going to bring, you name it. The human condition is cancerous left unchecked and submitted to the Holy spirit. Does that make sense? Mm. There's a very long, I'm sweating like T.D. Jakes over here, bro. T.D. Jakes? Yeah, dude. You never heard some T.D. Jakes, bro? No. Dude, go check him out, bro. When he gets on fire, bro, he's got a rag, and he like, and he's just preaching the word, bro, just fire. And he's like wiping off his sweat, and he's like whipping it around, dude. It's awesome. You should check it out sometime. I'll send you, I'm going to find one. Hey, babe, you should find him a T.D. Jakes link and send it to Mike. She's on it. She's on it. She says. TD Jakes. I never even TD heard Jakes. it. Dude, he's so good, bro. That's what I grew up on, man. Getting uh, when I first got saved, bro. He was on um, the Daystar Network all the time and TBN. Oh, okay. And, like, bro, I could just, 
like I didn't know what to do other than watch the word and get as much of Jesus as I could because nothing else made sense in this like crazy mind as I was coming off drugs and alcohol. I didn't know what to yeah. do and I just couldn't get enough of Jesus. And boom, I found TD Jakes and that was it, dude. He was gangster. So that Let's that see. touches on the armor of God, I think. I don't yeah. um have you studied any much of, of Ephesians six? I haven't even hit spiritual Ephesians warfare. Yet. I don't think. Okay. Um, dude, so so briefly, I my whole conversion story to Jesus is slightly different than most people. It's like, um, I was a heathen. I was probably pagan. You could probably you could probably label me as pagan, but I was pagan heathen kid that had my middle finger up. If there was a god then why would he let this all happen? And I had some quantum physical explanation on how, you know, you're basically, you were ridiculous for any faith in other than yourself. Um, I was overdosed, allowed, uh, given the ability to see the war going on over my soul in the spiritual realm, and then um, get converted to, you know, surrender to Jesus, be saved by Jesus, to spiritual warfare, which is like the meat of the word. And I skipped like John three sixteen, like, like I went from not saved, met Jesus. Now I'm aware of spiritual warfare, which is what Ephesians six is talking about. So Did you hear that? Mm -mm. What was it? I don't know. I didn't hear nothing. Was it come through your side, bro? Yeah. It was like a weird, like, I don't know. I, like sound like a section cup came off. It was like a, computer noise oh. thing, but i don't know where it came from <laughs> yeah, that's awesome but cool. dude yeah so i was a heathen got saved and was made aware so most people don't even realize that there's a war going on over your soul every single day and angels and demons the principalities of heaven and hell are very real i have seen them firsthand i have experienced the the craziness of all of that but I never took the time to fully understand uh, John three sixteen, right? So for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Hmm. So I skipped that like foundational part of life here. Um, but um, honestly was uh, God, that's a whole nother story where I had to go back and relearn it. It's fine with me. Um, but uh I was made intimately aware of Ephesians six and what was necessary. So like, it was like realizing there are powers bigger than me at play. And the only way that I can even step into that theater of battle is underneath the grace and mercy and forgiveness and repentance of Jesus and and shotted with the full armor of God, putting on these spiritual, um, this spiritual bodysuit of armor every single day in order to even, um, step out of the house. A lot of people think like, um, you hear spiritual warfare and you think of like exorcism of Emily yeah. Rose, right? Some like mm -hmm. ridiculous, um, guess what? That's, I mean, that can be way drawn out to the farthest, but it's every day. It's a spiritual war on how you think on how you perceive how you honor God and the submission of your heart. It's these little battles that equate to 
these little battles that equate to wars won, right? Um, and there's a quote, I forget who who originally said it, but was worry about the minutes because the hours will take care of themselves. Yeah. If we're worried about the little fights right in front of us, how do I honor my wife in this? Oh, I took that uh, that thought without out of nowhere. I mean, even just today, dude. So I was really battling, like just being discouraged, honestly, today, um, mm-hmm. pretty heavily. Um, cause I had unreal expectations, but the enemy sent a thought into my brain and I didn't take it captive, make it submit to Jesus. And basically it's like three steps. So if a thought's out of nowhere, that doesn't align with the word of God, it says to take that thought captive, force it to give up and become obedient to Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be doing with, with our mind is taking every thought captive. Okay. And I didn't take this thought captive. And before you know it, I was like, spinning all the way down into like feeling like I wasn't enough. I had failed. I was this, I was this, I was this all because I didn't catch one thought and it caused a snowball of negative thoughts to flood my mind. That right there is spiritual warfare. Not every thought that comes through your head is of, is as of you or of Christ or of any it's the enemy knows how to manipulate your mind. And when you start believing lies in your head, that directly then, because a believed lie becomes a thought and a series of thoughts becomes an action. If you're thinking wrong and believing wrong, you're going to act wrong or not act as if the sacrifice of Jesus made you whole, made you complete and sanctified into his graciousness, right? I think the problem with men of the church We have believed lies for so long that we have refused to step up into the role in which God has called us to lead our home, to lead our family and to lead our church because we believe we are not enough, that we are a failure, that we, there's somehow, you know, our sin is too bad and too, too big to be forgiven. And we live underneath the weight of shame and guilt and condemnation and we never rise up and step into the call that God's put on our life to lead our home, to lead our children, to lead our wife, and to lead our, our, our church family. Because we have believed the lies in here for so long, it's created a neural pathway of, of action that is not the action Christ is, has died for, right? Like we have believed lies so long. We're not acting as if we've already been forgiven. We've been made right, justified, sanctified, complete in him, period. Now we can step up and rise up, right? So do you think that the spiritual warfare battle per se, like gets, so do you think it gets worse or tougher once you're baptized or before you're baptized? Because I've heard both things where like once you get baptized then you're going to be gone after harder by by the devil and stuff like that or is it before you get baptized what do you think or have you heard either for me personally for me personally it got pretty gnarly like the week i was getting baptized trying to prevent me from being baptized oh um it was like the spiritual warfare ramped up as I was like getting preparing to be baptized, but 
But I think consistently, once you're ba- once you believe in Jesus, once you've been baptized, and once you've made a decision to honor God, at, regardless of outcome, completely, you know, sold out to Jesus, you draw a giant, a giant uh, target on your back, and now you become a liability to the enemy, right? I've heard it said when you're leading yourself, you're of no threat to the enemy. When you're, when, when Mike's doing what Mike's doing, mm. when Nate's right, doing right, right. what Nate's doing, because you're doing what they want you to do. We are we're sabotaging ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, 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 like yeah. You don't I have to it. teach. You don't have to teach a kid to, to lie. You don't have to teach a kid to cheat. You don't have to teach a kid to not punch each other in the face. Like mm. innately, we're not honoring anything. We're already submitted to the kingdom of darkness. As soon as you step into the light and you say, hey, I'm following Jesus. I have conviction. I'm being led by the Holy Spirit. That's like a baby Christian is kind of like, you know, if imagine, you know, a four-year-old getting hold of an AR-15 and he's just kind of waving it around, loaded, right? And, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? Whoa, right. whoa, put it down, put it down. And as soon as you get a little more mature and you can shoulder that rifle and you can make accurate shots. Of course, the enemy is going to come after you. You're a liability because now you're taking ground that the enemy has fought for because now you're a soldier of light. You right. are an ambassador of the kingdom. So I feel that the, the prolonged fight gets worse. The more spiritually mature you get, the more knowledge you get, the more wisdom you get, the more discernment and understanding, and you start operating in the spiritual gifts that Jesus gave to you and died for, that's when things start just multiplying because now you're aware. It's like once Jesus teaches you a spiritual principle, you can't just unlearn it. Like you're held accountable to the spiritual level of, 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 of uh, enlightenment that he gives you. Right. So for me, it was like, I was, didn't believe in Jesus, met Jesus, but was made aware of the spiritual. I couldn't just be like, you know, Jesus, I like you, but can you just keep the spiritual warfare stuff to yourself and just let me go back to living a way that was, you know, not as you know crazy as this. Mm-hmm. I wish that was the case, but it's not. So as soon as you start getting into the word and you're like, Whoa, dude, just by the name of Jesus, demons tremble and every nation will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, right? Dude, there's power in that. Oh man. Okay. It says to cast out demons, heal the sick and raise the dead. Okay, cool. Like, and you start becoming aware of what's happening spiritually. Then you become more of a liability to the kingdom of darkness, which makes the kingdom of darkness just wants to take you out. Why do you think there's such an assault on the, uh, the pastors of our generation and the pastors of our church globally. The enemy wants to take out the head so the, the body crumbles. And that's just because we have the ability to take ground the enemy has fought for. We have the ability to bring light into the darkness. It says to, to kick back the, the gates of hell and bring people out of, the, out of hell for eternity into the kingdom of light. Like, obviously that is going, you're, I mean, you've just said, Hey, I'm a marked man now, but I don't, it doesn't matter to me because he that's in me is greater than he's in the world. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That stuff kind of gets it. I think we need to speak a little bit more about spiritual warfare to take the stigma away, man. Yeah. Like you should read, um, I believe his name is 
Smith Wigglesworth. His last name is Wigglesworth. And he was um, speaking on spiritual warfare, spiritual principles like that. And he, uh, he pens in there. I'm paraphrasing because it's been years since I've even thought about this until right now. But he said in the middle of the night, Satan himself visited him and sat on the end of his bed. And he just looked, got, he was awoken, woke up, looked and saw Satan himself sitting on his bed and goes, oh, it's just you. Turns around and falls back asleep. Uh Jesus won the war. And we as a church need to know that Jesus is already the victor. Our eternity is secured. And now we have the privilege to bring people in darkness into his light. And it all comes back down to how are you going to do that unless you're Ephesians 6 every single morning. You're putting on the helmet of salvation. You're putting on the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the sandals of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit. That should be what every person does before their feet hit the ground. You're saying, Jesus, I'm doing this. I'm committing my life and my will to you today. Use me this day as an example of who you are here on earth as it is in heaven. Every single day. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, you got I'm that. I'm just putting some notes here real quick so we can talk about it after the break. So I don't yeah. forget. I'm eating raspberries <clears throat> right now, just so everyone knows in the internet world. Raspberries? Rasp. I know, the weirdest terminology, but they're delicious. Boom. Yeah, dude. Got some notes we can chat up after this. Yeah, nothing crazy, but... And then I wanted yeah, to talk... Right. I wanted to bring up another verse another piece of scripture that i wanted to get your feedback on not not related at all something completely different that's fine i like scripture jesus loves me and so do i i love him too Mm, this we know because the bible says it so all right we're gonna take a break little like this i don't mind all right see you in a little bit all right bye Recording in progress. And we are back. Oh, oh, what did I just do? I don't know. I'm back. Oh, there we go. We're good. What'd you do? I'm back. Uh, So I hit a button and then immediately your face was not there anymore. So I thought I exited out of the... uh, um, My face. The the meeting. All right, let me ask you this question. Yeah. So you <clears throat> Okay, I asked this. I wrote it down, but it's kind of weird how it's written down. So you so you know how there are believers, believers mm-hmm. may not necessarily be baptized or anything like that, but yep. They pray ish usually when they need something. Yeah, you know, foxhole, foxhole prayers type yes, things. Sir. Yep. Um, but in those individuals, what do you what do you think about like they're generally good people for the most part, ish, mm-hmm. right? Not like terrible people, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. But if they are like not practicing the normal. Not necessarily processes, but let's say they're okay with abortion in a certain way. 
mm-hmm. or you know whatever stuff like that like they're like mm-hmm. like oh yeah abortion's bad but this thing makes it eh, a little gray and it's like you know so those individuals would they, where would I mean they're kind of you know they're on the fence I guess I would say mm-hmm. what do you think about that I think uh there's differing levels of accountability to things right like you don't expect a i mean oftentimes in the church we fall we fall short of this often that new converts to christianity or or new found relationship with jesus we immediately expect them to start looking like people who have been in the church or submission to jesus for their whole life right and that's not how grace works that's not how jesus works so for me it's like i feel like those um those people who have yet to be can so conviction is conviction okay so there's some things that we all agree on uh murder's bad to honor your mother and your father the ten commandments right but so say for me, like alcohol, I am convicted that I cannot drink alcohol because I don't know how to drink it without abusing. I just right. not in my wheelhouse. Uh, I don't know how to recreationally use gummies because the next thing you know, um, I'm going down to the dispensary and I'm eating 2,500 milligrams in one shot because that's how I like to roll. Um, you like for me, that's a conviction that if I were to disobey is a, is I am disobeying God. So Mm -hmm. I feel like the people who have yet to be convicted and to, um, be illuminated in certain things that's between them and God, right? There's, there's like, you know, the Paul talks, the apostle Paul talks about, um, you know, you guys are fighting over, you can eat pig or don't eat pig. Um, like, for me it's lawful and for you it's unlawful like why are we fighting over the things that don't really matter because each one of those um people the holy spirit deals in conviction differently um so for me those people who are still in progress like i mean if you come at me and say hey um god told me to kill this person so i'm gonna do it like i'm gonna be like okay no he didn't um because it's against his word or if someone's saying, Hey, um, whatever, that's contrary to the word of God. If it's kind of in the gray area, like who am I to say that people should or should not be acting a certain way? Because I don't want to be in the legalism part of it. I can offer scripture and the Holy spirit's job is to offer conviction Mm -hmm. on his time on his timeline. Like I can't expect a new Christian to have the same level of conviction, the same level of um, sanctification um, outwardly and working through the um, outward expression of the sanctification within your brain and the justification of, of who of what Jesus did. But I am expecting them to be in transition, in translation into what Jesus is slowly revealing through his word and through his conviction. That's not between me and them. So for me, those people who have yet to um, be convicted 
like I have to offer them the same grace that Jesus offers me. Right. Cause I fail every day. I, I fall short every day, you know? Um, so for me, if it doesn't directly go against a commandment or the, or the word of God directly, there's like, that's between that conviction is between that person and, and the Holy spirit. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Más o menos. I think, y, um, y so, so. I think, I think it's just, uh, <clears throat> I kind of it kind of throws me off when people who are like quasi Christian or whatever and they're pro like they're pro abortion in certain aspects like that mm-hmm. it that kind of I don't, I'm not I kind of don't like that yeah and that's like one of those things like obviously because at any point it doesn't matter what what produced the child it's still a child i mean i get that and the definition of murder is um to to take someone's life i think it was like um what does it say it's like um not preemptive what's the word they use premeditated premeditated but they use the term malice and I still don't understand how if someone is aborting a child, how is that not considered malice? Yeah. Because they know what they're doing. They're yeah. purposely going to do that thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just um Yeah. But in the in the whole like idea idea of being like a follower of Christ and all this other stuff, like I don't see those two they're not like if you're looking at his Venn diagram, you know, the two circles. Yeah. There's, it's not, there's nothing in the middle. Yeah. There's no intersection. There's no, there's no overlapping mm-hmm. regardless of the situation. Right. Yeah. Overall, not my place to, I, I don't, it's not my thing. I don't, uh, obviously we've talked about it before. But I'm obviously I'm not going to be like, holy man, you're you're going to hell. Like mm-hmm. you are going to hell yeah. because you just killed a baby. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's not that's not the thing. That's not what I'm doing. That's not what yeah. I would say. Um, I would. I mean, I would feel I would feel awful, and I would probably not like be super. I probably would try to stay away from the person for a bit just because like it would, I would just feel like bad. Like I would, it would make me feel bad. So I don't know. Yeah. And that's like one of those things. Go ahead. No, go answer, ask your question. Well, I was going to say, do you think those, those people who are like kind of in that weird realm of I'm a believer, but like this stuff, maybe you know a gray area they have like a bigger they're they're more prone to the spiritual warfare aspect it's kind of what i was getting at like do you think that they're more of a target because they're kind of in the loop but not they may or may not be baptized yeah so for me it's almost like there is obviously going to be some warfare over them because they do 
know Jesus, varying degrees of submission to Jesus and surrender, right? Like absolute surrender is what the enemy fears the most. Um, But I feel like in some instances, um, those people are easier to deceive. So they're less of a threat, right? So Hmm. if you don't, if you're not fully submersed into the grace and mercy and forgiveness of Jesus into his word. Um, you're kind of, you're a reasonable threat, but you're kind of like off in no man's land, like, you know, have your gun at, you know, low ready and you're kind of spinning in circles. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone who has developed, uh, has followed through the maturation process of spiritual disciplines, that's a greater threat. Therefore, I mean, you're a military dude. You don't go in off to the, the least threat in the room first, right? Like you're trained to assess and take down the largest threat and then work your way out, right? Like it, that's the same spiritual principle on the side of the enemy, right? The ones that are trained and proficient and present the greatest threat are the ones in which they want to take out because take you the least amount of effort. Yes. So, um, those yeah like it doesn't take much effort to ones that are kind of i mean they know some spiritual principles but are still you know still holding on to some of the world you know doing the whole tussle between in the world not of the world in the world i have some world but some jesus like that whole thing they're easier to deceive they're less of a threat where their hands are grasping at the world and and in the kingdom of heaven, there's not really much else for them to do besides mm. spin in circles. You know what I yeah, mean? I, I saw um, <clears throat> on Instagram the other day, it was like part of a sermon. And I thought it was pretty, I thought it was pretty cool. I didn't know what the heck was going on at first. And it was a pastor and he was on two ladders. Have you seen it? I saw a clip of that. Yeah. So he's at two ladders and he's like, this, this one is the world. And this one is, I don't, Jesus, I guess, whatever. Yeah. And he's like, the higher you go, the harder it is to keep a foot on the world and Jesus. Like you have yep. to choose one or the other at, you know, at the top. It comes to a certain point. Yeah. Where you have to. And like, I think um, just for me, um, I don't know like where that, where that is. You know what I mean? Like I don't, um, prioritize a lot of stuff like I used to um like I you know my vices are guns and mm-hmm. and that's kind of it like I, I'm not I, I don't buy like all these you know I, my truck is my truck it's just like it's just a car it's a vehicle yeah um I don't want it to break down obviously but I'm not gonna put in you know, uh, yeah, crazy sound system or whatever yeah. underglow kit, and you know, I'm not going to spend <laughs> yeah. hours and hours washing it. I mean, I wash it when it gets dirty, um, but then if it rains, after you know, if it's dirty and then it rains, I don't have to wash it for a while because it's clean. Yep, yep. Um, you know, stuff like that. I look at, I look at, um, dang it, I look at conversations when people have conversations about money. I it it kind of drives me crazy. No, I, we've talked about this before too. Mm-hmm. 
and that it really kind of you can see at least i think i can see like the way that people behave based on their level of upset not maybe not obsession but their love of money yeah or their focus on money you know mm -hmm. and stuff like that so i think um in those aspects i mean yeah i don't want to be i don't want to be broke but yeah, I mean, money's a tool, though, but there is, I mean, there's exactly. a reason why Jesus spoke more about money than he did heaven and hell, mm -hmm. and how you treat money is a great indicator on where your heart is, and I, I mean, that's that's the reason why Jesus did what he did and said what he said about, you know, the, for the root of all kinds of evils is for the love of money, right? It's not money, because oh, money's dude. a seed. Yeah, because in, I'm just doing acts. This week, well, not this week, but like that's the best one I'm in, Acts and uh, Acts five. I think it's five and six. Hold, please. Acts is good. Hold, Acts, hold, please. Acts five and six. I think it's Acts five and six. Yeah, and Ananias and Sapphira. Yep. They they and like, I don't. I mean, it it is. It kind of makes sense. I don't understand like why they died, but it's kind of crazy but so like you know they they sold their property i think it was property right yes yeah sold some property they brought part of the money to i think i don't know who it was who was it some of the money to the to? apostles Peter. the apostles i don't know yep. who it was but i think it says I some it was... of the apostles claiming it was the full amount Claiming it was the full amount, but it wasn't. But his wife's consent. And they're like, bro, the like this, they're like, bro, this is your stuff. Like, this is your stuff. Like, you didn't have to sell it, and you didn't have to give us anything of it. Like, but now that you said that you gave us the full amount, but you didn't, like, you're directly like kind of lying to God. Yep. Like, hello. Like, now yep. that you're gonna get buried, or now that you're gonna die. Or whatever it says. <clears throat> he like says now that you're what it says, as soon as Anias heard these words He fell on the floor and died. Yeah, he says, You weren't lying to us, but to God. Like, bro, we don't care about your money. Like that's and that's me. Yep. Like, I don't care. I, don't talk to me about money. Like, I don't care. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, I'll care, like, hey man, I want to get this gun built. And I'm like, I don't want to spend like all this money on it, but it's a tool and like, I like it and it's ultimately yeah. going to be passed down to my son eventually. And then doesn't the Jesus, doesn't the Bible say something about leaving your kids? Yeah. Um, what is this? What's that word? Dang it. Inheritance. Inheritance. Yeah. So like, he's going to be inheriting like hundies of guns, bro. <laughs> so, and then. When it says three hours later, his wife came in not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? And she, and yes, she replied, that was the price. And how could you even think to aspire against the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she yep. fell to the floor and died. Yep. Yeah. And so it's like, dude. And so when we had talked about it before, like I, I don't, I don't do 10% still. I, I'm up a lot i do i think it's like 500 something a month or something like that ish mm -hmm. yep. um or maybe not that but it's like just under it and um and i'm like man i'm like 
So I'm like looking at my account, like, oh man, again. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Which is, yeah. you know, it's whatever. And um everyone's like, Yeah, but you can write it off. I'm like, Yeah, but that doesn't you don't get anything back. Like, it's not how it works. Yeah. So which is fine. I mean, I don't care because I know what it's going to. Yeah. You know, there's all these different things that it goes to. Um when I see like, you know, some of the cars that the um staff drive um not that that matters but when you see it like one of like um our pastor's wife drives like a or like an early 2000s crv nothing special it's just Mm -hmm. a car right and then he has a little bit newer one it's like a newer i want to say it's like a subaru or a toyota rav4 or outback or something like that yeah not brand new but it's like probably within the last five, ten years, maybe. Yep. And it's not something that they care about. You know, they nope. don't care about that stuff. And um, I want, and I, I kind of wonder. Not that I care, but just kind of just curious, how many people give to the church? Mm-hmm. You know, I already know how many people volunteer their time and it's not many yeah and which is kind of crazy to me um yeah and i get that people are busy and i get that people like it's just not their thing mm-hmm. but there's like it's not that hard dude like yeah. give your time like my opinion your time volunteering your time is more important than money yeah i mean for me that's like i agree because money's money but how you so say someone who i mean is honestly living paycheck to paycheck to paycheck yeah but they volunteer an incredible amount of time and service to the Mm -hmm. church who am i to say you're not tithing right you know what i mean um it's pretty interesting that all the scriptures that we hold fast to the tithe are all old testament Mm mm-hmm Jesus came to fulfill, right? But then Jesus even one-ups it and says, you know, it's easier for the eye of a, you know, a, a camel to pass to the eye of a needle than it is for the rich to inherit the kingdom of heaven, right? Um, it all goes down to time, talents, and treasures, right? Are mm-hmm. you offering your time? Are you giving your treasures? Are you giving your talents, right? So um, are you gifted in, like, are you gifted in a certain thing that the church would be lacking if you didn't? So like security minded, I just, I'm in the process of going through the security whole thing at, you know, for legacy and just passed a background check and all the different steps necessary, which are amazing. Um, you didn't have to do that at the other place. Uh, I, I mean, I did, or initially I did. Um, and, but that was like one and done and then went on and did it, but it's like every time it's a little more extensive, at legacy than it was at, uh, at Bethel, as far as the whole, um, integrated process, but even what's pretty interesting around the whole thing in scripture. Um, I don't remember offhand, but if I remember it, I will text it to you. There's a scripture that we use all the time about the tithe and it's not even talking about, um, it's not even talking about the tithe. Ooh, you know what it sounds okay. like? Yeah. Hold on. We're finding it right now um well because the app you can just type in like what it's about and then it'll pull up the thing 
And got Liam sneaking around the corner with his little uh, slippers on. He's got Paw Patrol slippers on, and he was all like around the corner. Uh, We're fighting right now. Uh, I got to remember what it is. But basically, it wasn't even talking about the tithe. And we used it as like pushing the business application of the church, which is a whole nother podcast, a whole nother side note where, you know, business and church have kind of, you know, got convoluted. Um, Numbers, Genesis. It is New Testament or Old Testament? My brain, my brain. Maybe I'm not spelling it right. Is it T-I-T-H-E? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That's why I spelled it wrong like an idiot. <laughs> Malachi, Proverbs. Proverbs, Malachi, Corinthians, Corinthians, Deuteronomy, Luke, Genesis, Deuteronomy, Numbers, Hebrews, Nehemiah, Corinthians, Deuteronomy, Mark, Luke, Genesis, Matthew. Mark. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she poor and but she poor as she is has given everything she had to live on. Oh, okay. oh, 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 Luke, it's Luke 638. What does it even say? Oh, I'm, I'm pulling up right now. Good heavens. This whole thing, like, rat, like my wife and I, like legit like Luke uh, 1 or Luke 2 <laughs> I'm like what dude it was this a bottle <laughs> joke That's fun that joke. was a good one I was like dude what the heck All right, so, it's in Philemon uh, 2 I think Philemon dude <laughs> Philemon 2 alright it says a give and you will receive your gift will return to you in full pressed down shaken together to make room Wait, for more hold on what chapter uh, Luke 6. Verse what? 638. Verse 6. Luke 638. It says, Give and you will receive your gift or return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured out into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And then Jesus... It's like the measure of your generosity will determine your generosity. So the, can one blind person lead another? Will, uh, won't they yeah, both fall ta- into a ditch? It's talking about it's the, the whole preface of this subset. It says, do not judge others. It says, do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will come back against you. Forgive others and it will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more running over and poured into your lap. So it's is that the NLT. Saying, yeah, I'm reading out of NLT. Yeah. Okay, I was so gonna say that's a, verbatim what I. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this one is NLT. I got the uh, the good old paper, the paper bibble out. Um, it's saying the thing you use will be measured back to you. So if you're a judgmental person, casting judgment you will return press down shaken together the judgment you press out you pass out it's yeah. not talking about money it's talking about what you choose to use will determine the amount in which you get back it's not saying 
oh, give your gift. And today's this seed is yours. And, you know, you, know, you give today and it's going to unlock the spiritual gifts in heaven and the storehouses of heaven will just mm-hmm. flow into your. That's that's a that is a convoluted misuse of scripture. End of end of story. And if you want to come fight me on that spiritually, come find me. My name's uh, Nate Bates, and you can find me at God Guns Impact Podcast, uh, Instagram, or the email. Okay, um, let's talk about it. God Guns and Family, you goon. God God Guns and Family Podcast at gmail.com, goobers. Um, but yeah, dude, it's not talking about it's not talking about money. It's talking about what you use. General, if you choose to sow generosity, that's the measure in which generosity is going to flow back into you mm-hmm. and to be generous with your time, treasure and talents, right? It's not talking about one money, dude. So that was one thing that we like had a serious conversation because it was in a uh, discipleship book that um, a lot of churches use. And it's like, why the heck is that even in there in that part of the book? But my uh, beautiful wife and I had a very extensive conversation about all of that good stuff, but yeah, I think a good way. Um, well, I mean, maybe not a good way, but a way to potentially look at it is like, so for example, the entire time I'm on campus, I'm on duty, right? Technically. And so Gil, God bless him. And his, and his, uh, constant financial jabbering i guess you could say mm-hmm. um he always talks about how like if he does a project on his own or hires someone to do it he justifies whatever based on his time and the value of his time right so for example whatever his salary is no idea but if i were to say okay if I look at someone's experience or my own experience, skills, set, whatever, and say, okay, if I'm going to go and I'm going to be at, on campus from what are the 845 to 1245, so four hours yep. on Sunday. Yep. If I were to do executive production, whatever, it would probably be somewhere around hundred to hundred fifty dollars an hour, probably low end. Probably could be more than that, yeah. but I would say something like that. So ultimately, every week I could theoretically be saying I'm donating five hundred dollars yep. to five to six hundred dollars of my time, yep, based on my skill set and experience or whatever. So like. Yep. So that on top of financially, you know, not not that I would do that, but I'm just saying like it could it could be argued that way also. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because time is a you can always make more money, you can't make more time. Right. But and it's donation. I'm not I'm not trying to No, but that goes right back into saying at all. And that's what's going back to saying though, is that not considered a tithe? You're donating, you're tithing your time serving the church. Why is that not considered a tithe? It's right. when the the weight of the business to keep the lights on, to pay the salaries, to do the things becomes more important than being led to encounter the person of Jesus. That's the problem. Mm. And when the church is saying, this is the actual number that you, like the Mormon church, not to knock them. Okay. Whatever. There's great Mormons that I know. 
they believe in a cult. Okay. Like what they believe is wrong. Okay. And to say the church, you have, you are required to tie this or you get kicked out of the church. Come on now. If you're not paying your 10%, you're not part of this congregation. You don't go to this, uh, um, this ward anymore. You know what I mean? Like that's insane, but look how many multi-trillion, gadrillion dollars this organization has globally. It's insane, bro. I've seen a, a Mormon church in the heart of butthole Mexico, poverty everywhere around, and it looks like the exact same church building with the grass and the stone that does down the street next to Mountain Point in Ahwatukee. Honestly, I'm like, yeah, what and, is this? Don't, and I think... Um... So on the other side of that, because I know I know a lot of good Mormons too. Me too. I know a lot of they, them personally. They are good people. Um, you know, they're good. They're they're decent folks. There's only one good. There's only one good man. So the Jesus. The Jesus. And um, I was gonna say. Oh, but the good thing is, is that they do. If someone falls on hard times, like they. I mean, yes. or they can't afford stuff. They cover. They cover that is it. what the stinking church is supposed to be, dude. Yeah. The yeah. government has created systems in which the church should have been operating in from the beginning. Yeah. Welfare should not exist because the freaking church should be able to to take care of the people that are struggling in their community. Yeah, government assistance shouldn't exist because the church should freaking be doing it. I got you. That's a whole nother thing. You just lit me up, dude. Like the church needs to start being the church and the people within the church need to start loving like Jesus and displaying who he is here on earth. And that means getting into a place, storing money correctly in such a way that you can help out the person who's struggling. That if someone's missed rent, boom, we take care of it without any expectation because that's what Jesus would have done. If someone doesn't have freaking groceries, we should fill up their freaking, their they're freezer full of groceries, bro. We should yes. be the hands and feet of Jesus. Yet we're too freaking concerned with paying the bills in this mega church that should have never been built because what we should have taken that money and that financial gain for is providing for the people who are struggling that we personally know. Because I know down the street, people are struggling to put food on their freaking table. A mm-hmm. mom or dad is working four jobs just to make the ends touch One, once oh, a blue moon. Right. constant struggle the church needs to be the church bro period so let me and let me, so let me ask you this while we got some time left what the verse that i was going to get your feedback on starlink is passing over yeah, starlink is passing over oh okay let's go look at it after we're done in seven minutes from now i don't know what that means <laughs> first timothy second chapter verse 11 here we go it says women should learn quietly and submissively it said do not let women teach men or have authority over them and you got to start you got to look at the cultural context in which paul is writing right so Let's check this out. Let's check, 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 check it out. This instructions about worship is the chapter or the yeah, chapter. 
They also, in verse 9, want women to be modest in their appearance. They should wear decent and appropriate clothing and not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair or by wearing gold or pearls or expensive clothes. For women who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attractive by the good things they do. Not only fans. Only fans. <laughs> so I'm I'm not like because we have a, our associate pastor is is a female mm-hmm. really, and so I didn't know if this was like a how big of a deal it is or what. No, so I mean, where my stance and line draws on that is, I don't necessarily think women could or should be. Um, the pinnacle point of the utmost authority within a church. Okay. Mm. Um, Jesus honored the level. I mean, look at Ruth, look at these major women players in the Bible. They had authority, Mm -hmm. but I feel like the pinnacle of a church organization cannot and should not be a woman. And a lot of times when Paul's saying like in the church of the Ephesians, um, and yeah, Ruth, Esther, Yes, Ruth, Naomi, Naomi, Naomi's in Ruth. Correct. Yeah. And those Ezra's a female or no? I don't know offhand with that one. I have to, I'd have to fact check that one, but those big players were the ones that were highlighted as um, being very spiritual led godly women that produced an incredible amount of change for his kingdom. So there is absolute power and an absolute value to women in ministry. Um, I think there is a, there is, it's against scripture for a lead executive, most pastor to be a woman that needs to be a man because that's the way the spiritual um, hierarchy um, was laid out biblically. Mm-hmm. But like in Ephesus and uh, in this particular, when, when um, like in, especially in, in Ephesians, it's talking about women need to, you know, basically sit down and shut up and, you know, need to be, it's because these women were in these worship services, making a giant deal, oh, oh, drawing all these sorts of attention, um, taking away and discrediting the, what the spirit was doing in these services. So Paul was addressing that directly saying these women need to sit down and shut up and allow the Holy spirit to move in these places. So a lot of, um, where people are like, Oh, women, uh, blah, 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 blah. They take this one scripture out of context and say, women should never be from a pulpit, a podium or whatever is because they've taken a scripture out of cultural context and tried to make it an overarching spiritual yeah. principle that is valid for today, which is wrong. It's the wrong exegesis. It's it's the wrong, um, it's just wrong biblical and the, biblically and theologically. The Apostle Paul is a very he's a BA in addressing behaviors, um, specifically in his letters. Right? He's like, boom, especially to Timothy. Timothy was was like his spiritual son. He's saying, hey, uh, in, in a young pastor, hey, this is what you need to do to have these women to stop disrupting what God is doing in these services. Sit down, be quiet shut up basically mm-hmm. paul addresses that directly so for me i 1000 percent know the value of women in ministry i 1000 percent know that the two together make um it says we are made in his image right the completeness of his vision happens when male and female perspectives come together to propel his kingdom forward um 100 need women um but men need to start making the decisions 
and deciding quickly with the council and the um you know the partnership with women in ministry yeah, to definitely. see his to see his plan so yeah because um, ours um like our lily our our lily she's our lily. the she's the youth ministry yeah lead mm -hmm. i guess or whatever yep. whatever she does so um yeah i was just wondering because it kind of says that i kind of interpret this as that because yeah. on the end, at the end of it, it says, but women will be saved through childbearing, assuming they continue to live with faith, love, holiness, and modesty. So just kind of to me, in that aspect, that is a perfect kind of, I would say that it would be the best interest as a woman to be the youth ministry for the children kind mm -hmm. of a thing. Just because like that's their, nurturing, their natural, their nurturing their natural given yeah. thing. Yeah. <clears throat> so hundred percent. So, I mean, with that, there's so many, so many things, so many things to talk about. Um, but dude, one minute, I know, right. At the end of this, spend not time fighting over spiritual principles and things that might differ slightly and forsake the mission that God's tasked us with, which is to seek and save those who don't know him yet. Right. So don't let all this be lost without an understanding one mission one god one salvation jesus and him crucified period so if, yeah. again find us on god guns and family podcast instagram same at uh, gmail.com reach out we want to hear you out and uh, so let's pray real quick before we get kicked out of here jesus we just honor we thank you we love you we surrender to you we just glorify your name and all that we do think and say have your way in jesus name amen amen Boom. thank you sir love you appreciate you Love yeah, you guys. Appreciate Thank you, you guys too, for bro. listening. Yes. Have See you all next time. Happy Veterans Day, which is tomorrow. Yes. Happy Vets to all my homies that are veterans. Happy Veterans Day. Thank you for Don't your service. Do Don't do anything dumb, guys. Yeah. <laughs>